I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Baker Others. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Happy New Week, you lovely lot. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faye Carruthers, bringing you loads of exclusive content and we'll be here every week with the very best of the show. Don't forget, you can listen back if you'd like to to the whole Women's Football Show via the Talk Sport app. This week we were on on Monday at 7pm, so just swipe for Talk Sport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. But these are the highlights from the show and there was only one place to start. Goals galore in the WSL, with Chelsea staying top of the league with a topsy-turvy 5-2 win over Leicester at Kings Meadow, while Manchester City looked imperious in a 7-0 hammering of Spurs. Arsenal kept the pace with their sixth league win on the trot against West Ham, while it was a good day for Northern clubs with Manchester United, Liverpool and Everton all coming out with all three points. I sat down with the former Arsenal and England striker Leanne Sanderson to break down all the weekend's action. Let's start at Kings Meadows, shall we? Talk Sport were there to see Chelsea extend their unbeaten home run to 20 games as they beat Leicester City by five goals to two. And after last week's hat-trick, Lauren James was back at it again, involved in the opening two goals, with Chelsea two up after five minutes, the second a deflected own goal from Courtney Nevin. Leicester, though, found their feet, pulled one back through uh, Jutta Rantala before Captain Sam Kerr restored their two-goal lead, driving home Neve Charles's cross in the 40th minute, only to see Leicester back in it again just before half-time, with Sam Tierney bundling the ball home after a scuffle in the box. Uh, Chelsea, though, absolutely ran away with it after the break. James with her second and substitute Aggie Beaver-Jones putting the icing on the cake and the game to bed with a header, meaning she's now scored in each of her last five games. Uh, let's hear from both managers, shall we, before we get into things. Talk Sports' Charlotte Richardson spoke to Chelsea's Emma Hayes after the match and started by asking if she was surprised to see such an end-to-end game. Only because we made it, I would say. Uh, sometimes when you go so up so early in a game, just got a little complacency. I felt switched off, gave away two cheap goals, but as credit Leicester, I'm not going to focus on that. Really good attacking display again from us. Looks so threatening going forward. What was your key message at half time when the game was at three two? I flipped Fran and LJ. And I felt that Neve never had a player stretching into that channel. So I moved around, they did really well. And I felt Lauren had the opportunity to play off of Sam. 
and exactly how she got her goal in the second half was what we talked about at half time and she's shown three games in a week been really good with that and overall the whole squad brilliant effort in the second half particularly there felt like a real element of control and game yeah. management which meant that you could extend the scoreline and make it comfortable towards the end yeah and I wanted to get some players in because some of them haven't had a lot of minutes and I wanted to get some in some I couldn't get in as early as I would like but yeah listen can't be perfect nearly perfect nearly perfect and three points clear at the top of the table ahead of another international break tease up the trip to the Emirates very nicely and that's I'm sure a trip you're looking forward to making yeah I always love going to the Emirates I can't wait for that one ha Emma always loves a uh, feisty game against Arsenal, doesn't she? Nearly perfect, the performance, she said. But that switch at half-time uh, that she made with Frank Kirby and Lauren James was really important, Leanne. Yeah, and I think, obviously, I spoke to Emma midweek after the game against Paris FC, and she spoke a lot about how the players were leggy. And I think she obviously had to make a lot of changes to, to this game. But this is the quality that, that Chelsea have, you know, the types of players they can bring in. I don't think these other teams have that luxury and I think a team like Leicester City, you know, after the game against Arsenal, when they went 2-0 up, then they lost 6-2. They've definitely improved this year, Leicester. But I think with the WSL, the, the competition has definitely got better. I still think there's a big gap between the bottom and the top. But I do think these teams are giving the, the top teams a good run for their money. But I think Emma Hayes was quite complimentary to her team based upon the fact that they've had a lot of games, haven't they, of late? And a lot of the players. But there are some mainstays in this team. I mean, talk about projects that Emma Hayes seems to... to create and bring better. Neve Charles has been absolutely brilliant. I mean, last year when she played instead of Lauren James in the semi-final of the Champions League, I know not the same position, but it was a tactical change during that, during those games. And, you know, similar to Aggie Beaver Jones, you know, going out on loan to Bristol, Everton, 20 years old, and look at her now. So Emma Hayes is so good. I know she wants to give all the credit to the players, which is what every top manager does. But I think Emma Hayes has to take a lot of credit for the way she manages Lauren James as well. I mean, five goals in two games. The assist midweek against Paris FC is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, she's absolutely superb, Emma Hayes, at doing that, getting young talent and and really nurturing them as well, not putting them in too early, which we saw with uh, with, with Lauren James. Aggie Beaver-Jones also seems to be being managed by England, doesn't she? She's playing for the under-23s, but Serena Wiegmann had said she's not called her up despite her fantastic form as, of late. As I said, scored in her last five games, uh, not called her up yet, not quite right. The, the, the stage for her development is with the under-23s, but... You know, Chelsea are so good at identifying this kind of, of talent. And you mentioned there the competitions that they're in, but their depth in attack is just terrifying for other teams, isn't it? They can just look to the bench and bring on the likes of Aggie Beaver-Jones, who's emerging as a real prodigy herself. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at Nuskin coming from Eintracht Frankfurt, Canary, like these is this is what top managers in recruitment does. Buying players, getting players that people wouldn't even really, it's not all about glitz and glamour. Bringing in, bringing in Ashley Lawrence, who's a real, you know, steady Eddie, nothing glitz and glamour, but will do a really good job. And I think she's a good player as well. So Emma just seems to be able to do this with these types of players. I mean, midweek, she made that tactical adjustment at halftime, taking Jesse Fleming off and putting on Frank Kirby, and it changed the game. Obviously, probably Fran would have probably started that game had she have played more minutes. Jesse Fleming is a really good, versatile player. I like Jesse Fleming, but she's not Frank Kirby, and not many players are. Being able to find the ball between the lines, providing that, you know, Emma spoke about having someone close to Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby is so good at that. The telepathy they have had since they both were there, like together is incredible. They never skip a beat. Even if Fran's out with an injury, she comes back and her and Sam Kerr seem to be able to find each other really easily. And it's quite frightening because Sam Kerr doesn't even think she's hundred percent fit yet. And when she scored the hatchet midweek, that's exactly what she said. And I was saying to her, like, God, it's frightening to think 
what she can do when she's 100%. <laughs> You're banging in hat-tricks and still scoring goals. And I think that number nine position as well at Chelsea, it's almost like you don't get the ball that much. But when you do, and it's difficult to stay switched on, and I said that to Sam after the game, that you have to have a strong mindset. Because I was always the centre-forward that wanted the ball all the time. I would have to be involved. So I'm like, some managers you like do that. surprise me, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> some managers like that and some don't. And I did listen to my coaches, but if I didn't find the ball, I'd always come hunting for it. Whereas Sam Kerr is so disciplined in staying higher, which, I mean, the, the service that she gets as well is amazing. We're going to talk about the Champions League game later on in the show. So, so hold those hold those thoughts, because I know you were working for, for DAZN for that game. Um it's now six games, though, without a win for Willie Kirk's Leicester, who showed some really early season promise as well. Uh, let's hear from him. He spoke to Talk Sport after the match. Didn't think that they deserved to lose by a three-goal margin. No, it doesn't. Standing here, it doesn't. Uh, maybe I've already forgot the first five minutes of the game. Uh, when you play the best team in the country and you go two goals down after five minutes, a lot of teams can crumble. And I thought we showed huge resilience and character to work our way slowly back into the game. We did that. We went in at half-time and... A, quite a positive position considering what happens and uh, yeah it was about trying to be even more attack focused we obviously made a change at half time to bring another attacker on and yeah I thought I thought I thought Chelsea all know they've been in a game and that's important and we look a threat against every team this year and again that's really important the amount of games that we failed to score in last year that's completely changed and uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take heart from it but we've also got to take some big lessons as well in terms of individual and, and team mistakes. I mean, it was a scoreline maybe that was a little bit unfair on Leicester in the end, uh, Leanne, but they did show character, as Willie Kirk said. They did, and I think the good thing is they seem to be pushing teams, but then they're able to score, which is a good thing, but they're conceding so many goals. I mean, if you look at the Arsenal and Chelsea game, 11 goals in two games doesn't look good, does it? Now, a lot of teams would concede a lot of goals against those types of teams, but on the positive, I think Willie Kirk's done an amazing job since he went in there. I mean, there was times last year they looked like they were gone. They looked like we're going to go down to the, like the WSL2 and then look what happened. You know, now they're sitting in seventh. They're doing okay. They won't feel that way because of the obviously not winning games, but I do see progression. And a team like Leicester, when you look at their squad, you know, they don't exactly have major stars, but I think bringing in players like Janice Kamen, who's another former roommate of mine, actually, and I think she's a, she's a good person, having the type of character like her around the squad, having that experience, she's come from Leon winning things as well, I think will definitely help. So I think Willie Kirk's doing a really good job with his team. And at the end of the day, he's getting the best out of his players individually. But against a team like Chelsea, it's always going to be difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, you say a team of superstars. That's what Arsenal certainly have, don't they? They were 3-0 uh, winners over West Ham in the end. They stay second, three points behind top of the table, Chelsea. Beth Mead with two of those goals. Her first goals since returning from that ACL injury. Frieda Marnham had opened the scoring in just the second minute with another long-range wonder strike. She's quite good at them, isn't she? Uh, Mead then bagging a long-range goal of her own, ending that 428-day goal drought. I mean, who would have thought... Beth Mead wouldn't score for 428 days. Unbelievable. Uh, her goal, her first one in the 18th minute, uh, proving exactly why she's been recalled to Serena Wiegmann's England squad. And then she had her second just before half time, uh, capitalising on an excellent run from Alessia Russo uh, and tapping home Arsenal's third. She has become just the second player to reach 100 combined goals and assists in the WSL. The first, of course, 
being Vivian Miedemar, who also had some pretty good minutes in the game on Sunday as well. Um, really lovely tribute as well, Leanne, to her mum, June, who passed away at the start of the year. And it was just wonderful seeing Mead back to her best. Yeah, and one of the finishes is, is was exceptional. You know, the second one, the first touch wasn't great, but Beth Mead does what Beth Mead is good at and puts the ball in the back of the net. And overcoming that type of injury, I had to do it myself. And I was at Juventus at the time and I scored back my first game in my first game back and it was the best feeling in the world because you people always say oh, how do you know you're ready you'll know when you're ready and the club will know when you're ready but you still don't know and you still think to yourself am I still going to be good enough all those types of things are in your head so the fact that she got you know 60 minutes under her belt you'd have been should have been just delighted to be out there let alone scoring two goals me and I was on the bench as well coming back so it'll be interesting for Jonas Edervald when everybody's back fit, because it will be difficult for team selection because obviously they've got Blackstinius, Alessia Russo, Mead, you know, Miedemar, the list could go on. So I think it's great that Beth Mead's back and I think it's great for England as well. And, and fair play to these players that the rehab is hard, fate. You don't see that hard part. All you see is on social media when the clubs are putting out there, when you're running again, when you're on those, you know, anti-gravity machines. But it's mm. the stuff in day to day. When you see your teammates playing in games, when you see your teammates winning, it's difficult. Especially in look at the semi-final against Wolfsburg. Those types of players, you know, you never know. So I'm so delighted for Beth Mead and I'm really, really happy that she's back for Arsenal. Yeah, it's a mental challenge, isn't it? As well as a physical one. Um, six straight wins in the WSL for Arsenal now. No Champions League to focus on either. Are they best placed to challenge Chelsea this year? Seems that way, but I'm sure the club never planned for that. You know, obviously being a former gunner, Mike Gunner myself, you know, the club seemed to make progression and the fact that they went out, you know, before the Champions League had even started, that wouldn't have been in their, on their radar. But I do think maybe sometimes it can be a blessing in disguise because you have less games and you obviously have more time to recover. But top teams want to be in these competitions. I think Cooney Cross has been a fantastic signing. I think it's obviously taken a little while for her to get, you know, in starting. But I think she offers something different defensively on the other side of the ball and a distribution is really, really good as well. So I think bringing in that type of player, I think will help them. But obviously players like Marnham, Russo, Caitlin Ford, they're so consistent in what they do. And I think that that leads the team and Ilstead as well. That addition, I think is a really good one for this year. Not only because she scores goals as well at the World Cup. Yeah, talking of additions, it feels as if West Ham uh, definitely needs to dip into the transfer market in January. It's not really Rianne Skinner's team, if you like, because she came in quite late, didn't she? And they played better in the second half, but it's just not clicking for them. And they're level on four points with Bristol City at the bottom of the table. Are they relegation candidates genuinely for you? I think so. And I think it was an interesting stat last week when they haven't won at home. You know, they still haven't won at home for a year. I mean, you can't have that type of form and you have to pray that your waveform is really, really good to stay in this type of league. And it's not Rianne Skinner's fault. Obviously, she was at Tottenham, went to West Ham. But I think with regards to the squad, I mean, apart from Asayi, like, none of them really, you know, have... They can't really put the ball in the back of the net, you know? And I think... And she offers a lot of threat going forward. Um, but I think other than that... And last year, under Paul Koncheski, I remember at Kings Meadow, they went ahead, right? And I thought, do you know what? You can see their game plan their strategy. And then what did Emma Hayes do? Start bringing on, you know, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, and then they lost the game. So the strength in depth that these other clubs have is always going to be difficult against an Arsenal, against a Chelsea, but you have to start picking up points and get the, against the teams that are in and around you. And that's my concern for West Ham, that they don't pick up points against the teams that are going to be down there. So they are, they're definitely in the relegation for sure. You can't not win all for a year at home. 
and still have a one for a year and expect to be in this type of division. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is Women's Football Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Rothers and Leanne Sanderson with you. Coming up, we're going to look at the rest of the WSL action from the weekend. This is TalkSport's Women's Football Show. Don't forget the TalkSport Network is the place to be for all things women's football. We have reporters at WSL matches throughout the season and we're home to the Lionesses with live commentary from all of England's home games, including the crucial Nations League matches coming up. We'll be bringing you England against the Netherlands live from Wembley on Friday night here on TalkSport 2. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. I'm Faker Others, former Arsenal and Juventus striker Leanne Sanderson is with me. Uh, let's head to the Joy Stadium where there was joy for Manchester City. They stay third and did their goal difference the world of good as well, smashing seven past Tottenham on a Sunday night to forget for Robert Villaham's side. Uh, Bunny Shaw with a first half hat trick, her first two goals almost identical, heading past the keeper, her third a clean strike into the bottom corner. And it was a wonder goal from Lauren Hemp and another from Jill Rord uh, coming without reply in the second half before substitute Laura Coombs bagged a brace to make it seven for Gareth Taylor's side. Uh, Bunny Shaw was prolific last season, Leanne, and she's had some injury worries of late, but she looks like she's backfiring on all cylinders again. Oh, yeah, she was brilliant in the game. Obviously, hat-trick in the first half, you can't ask for much more than that. I think the deliveries to her were exceptional as well into the box to service. But I think Bunny Shaw, we know she's a top, top player. And I love the fact that I think, obviously, since Ellen White retired in her last season, was injured quite a lot. Bunny Shaw got more playing time. And then I think just took on that role as that main number nine, just seamlessly. I think I'm going to give a lot of compliments to Gareth Taylor and Man City because I'm quite critical of them. And I think rightfully so. I think people often talk about Chelsea and Emma Hayes and how much money they've spent. But I've always said that Man City have never, ever reached where they think I think they should be. You know, they should be in the Champions League's finals. They should be in the FA Cup final. They should be winning the league. It's not an easy thing to do. When you look at the budget, you look at the amount of investment that Man City men have backed the club for a number of years now. We're talking, you know, five to seven years with facilities, playing at the academy stadium, letting the players eat and all that type of stuff at the training ground. Like, they really have put their money where their mouth is. And I just think City have never really got to the levels they should do. Now, last couple of weeks, I'm not getting carried away. But that game at Old Trafford... I mean, absolutely brilliant. Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp were exceptional during that game. And then with beating Tottenham Hotspur 7-0, like, it was just exquisite. It was exceptional. And that, to me, looks like a performance. In the last two weeks, what I've seen of real title contenders, I haven't really seen that. I haven't really been seeing that. I think I always think, you know, Chelsea or Arsenal, people often ask me, is Man United creeping in there? I don't feel it. I think they progressed. Man United, obviously, FA Cup final last year, but... When I look at the City team, I think, wow, last two weeks, I'm, I'm feeling it now. Because I've always said Gareth Taylor, I think he's underachieved with this squad. And the players they've always had coming through the door, you know, going back to Sam Newis, Rose Lavelle, Abby Dolkamper, even when Carly Lloyd was there for a few months. Like, I know it's a few years ago now, but I feel like, you know, Lauren Hemp has been absolutely brilliant. I mean, she had a fantastic World Cup in that playing in that two of Alessia Russo and her goal scoring just seems to have continued. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just those couple of defeats to Arsenal and to Brighton that might have completely derailed their uh, their title challenge uh, a few weeks ago. But Spurs had been looking like they were going to be breaking into the top four, and perhaps a bit of a reality check for them. And uh, I, don't, I don't quite know how they come back from such a heavy defeat as a team, especially going into an international break. I'm not sure is it a good thing or a bad thing that they've got the international break first. 
Um, it, it depends on the type of characters you have in your team. Personally, I would think a result like this, I'd rather go away and regroup. Thankfully, I was never really on the end of a 7-0. I know a lot of people say a loss is a loss and it's still the same thing, 1-0 or 7-0 or 5 No, it's not. It's how you lose sometimes. And I think Man City turned up yesterday and would have beaten anyone. The way that they showed up in that game, they looked like they could have beaten anyone 7-0. But I think it would have been really, really disappointing to see how they that Tottenham Hotspur capitulated. Definitely made progression of sitting in sixth in the WSL. But I think losing 7-0 is, is a pretty bad one, isn't it? It is a bad one. How do you even... I mean, you have to analyse these games, but I almost feel like, as a player, you just think, I'd rather not. Okay, let's go to um, Ashton Gate, shall we? Bristol City nil, Manchester United 2. And it was a, a gutsy performance from the Robins, really. Eventually broken down in the second half by Manchester United in front of a record crowd at Ashton Gate. Hinata Miyazawa's long-range strike took an unfortunate deflection off a defender before finding its way into the net in the 50th minute. But Nikita Paris made sure of the win five minutes later, heading home Ella Toon's cross. It's been a good week for United after losing the Manchester derby, a Conti Cup win over Liverpool midweek, and then victory over Bristol City, which has pleased manager Mark Skinner. Look, you have to come here and you have to win the game. And we're all about performance here, and, and our performance was good enough to win the game. And... Would we want more goals? Yes, of course we would, but you've got to take the three points and take the goals as they come, and we've done that today. It's professional. We were professional against Liverpool, we were professional again today. But we're in control of our confidence. It's on, our, it's on us. We don't let outside sources control our confidence. What we want is, sometimes we're a bit impatient because we want to win every game, but two clean sheets and back to winning ways, it's exactly what you'd ask for after a, a tough week. So the girls have been excellent in doing that. And they deserve a lot of credit again. Now they're going to the international window and they need to make sure they stay healthy. We've got to amount as many points as we can. We know that we've got to beat our head-to-heads, but you've got to pick... said so to the girls before the game, these are the most important games. Forget the, the Chelsea's arsenals. Right now, you have to pick up the points here. Because if you drop them here, you kick yourself. So we have to... Yeah, we, we've, we've, we're a little bit behind and we've got to make sure that we win games and win them with clean sheets and performances. And today we've done that. Leanne, it was a good recovery for Manchester United after that derby defeat, but do you sense maybe that the damage to their season might have already been done with the loss to Manchester City last week? You don't think they can break into the top three, you've already said? Yeah, no, I think obviously with this league, you never really know because it's so competitive. I know that kind of contradicts yesterday with the 7-0 Tottenham versus City, but I just don't get that feeling. I think obviously Manchester United losing Alessia Russo, to me, you know, Nikita Paris has been on a good run. I think they've made some some good signings in Jay, some Mallard, but I just feel like they're still a couple of years away from being exactly where they want to be. Um, I think, like I said last year, FA Cup final, Man United have not even been in existence that long, but I think there comes a point where we have to, we have to stop beating that drum. You know, it's been four years now, and I think there's been a lot of talk about off-the-field staff, you know, not the club not giving them. Now they are giving them what they should have been giving them at the beginning, but you have to give people an opportunity to make things better. But I think, with Mark Skinner, I think he's doing... You expect them to beat Bristol, don't you? Let's be honest. But it's the games against at Old Trafford. That's when the club would be expecting to win these types of games because last year they seemed to get a little bit closer, whereas this year they seem like they're a little bit further away from where they were last year. And obviously, Mary Earps is always going to be questionable if she's going to leave or not. I think she will. I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when. And it leads me to believe, you know, you have these top players leaving clubs that are like that, that makes me question, is there something more to the issue? Because you don't leave and also go to your one of your biggest rivals in Arsenal, Alessia Russo. That type of stuff is not something you'd ever see, is it? Nope. 
or you shouldn't see anyway although yeah. we have we have seen it plenty of times uh, testament to bristol city though uh, just how hard manchester united had to work for that one to be fair uh, liverpool's record appearance maker Gemma bonner opened the scoring in what turned out to be a 4-0 win over brighton at prenton park i mean liverpool have been flying this season Shanice van der Sande, Kerry Holland and Sophie Roman Hogg also got themselves on the score sheet as Liverpool brought themselves up to fifth in the table that game marked uh, Bonner's 138th appearance for Liverpool by the way and they made life very difficult for Brighton who dropped to ninth in the table just as you feel as if they're getting a bit of momentum it then falters uh, yet again but I mean if we look back on Liverpool's season so far albeit I think we're, we're eight games in now and uh, them and Tottenham, I feel, have been, and Leicester as well, have been the kind of surprise performers of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, winning at the Emirates' first game against Arsenal was always going to be a, a massive, you know, confidence booster. I think Matt Beard, obviously, in this league, knows he's won it before. Feels like forever ago, but he's won it twice. He's in his second tenure back at Liverpool, same with Gemma Bonner. And I think Liverpool, Matt Beard's a great coach. I played for him at Chelsea. And he's a top guy and a really, really good coach. So I think and he's also a fair coach. You know, when he's assessing his team, even in his post-game press conferences or interviews, he doesn't hold back, does he? When the team's good, he says we were good. If we're not good, he says we need to be better. And I think it's quite refreshing. But winning that game against Brighton in the way that they won the game, I thought it was fantastic. And I think, you know, Liverpool now sit in fifth. And I think they can be happy. I still think they're obviously a little bit off. So I, I like your assessment, Faye, of the fact that Liverpool and Spurs and Leicester, you know, big um, season so far and it's always going to be difficult for those teams to break into the top four and you know someone I know we'll talk about them later but Villa we're getting close last year and look at them now down in 10th yeah we will talk about Villa in a second but a quick uh, word on Brighton's Sophie Bagley who <laughs> has saved them from some very painful scorelines on many occasions this season but she was brilliant again despite having four fired past her yeah, I think as well, when, unfortunately, the goalkeeper, you don't want the, the goal, you, as a goalkeeper, I'm not one, but they don't want to shine for the wrong reasons. You want to be, you know, but she has saved them a lot this year. I think, obviously, players like Katie Robinson being there, I don't think she's been able to shine at all. And I think it's almost a matter of time where she obviously needs to probably move on to be able to kind of be, because Serena Bigman, you know, might still keep picking her, but when she's not being able to be on teams that can provide the service, you know, Vicky Lasada going in this year, especially being captain, I don't think has got any type of run of games yet, you know, hasn't really been able to combine with Robinson. So I think they just look a little bit off Brighton. And I said this before on the show, Faye, that I don't really see a real philosophy. You know, they've got Doris Dottier in there as well. Top players that have played in top teams and they don't seem to have type of, you don't really know what they're going to do. Mm. So, you know, and they, they're not putting the ball in the back of the net. They're not defending, they're leaking goals. So they're going to be, I think they're going to be in and around it for the rest of, till the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for them, isn't it? Um, it's been a difficult start to the season for Aston Villa as well. They lost to Everton at home 2-1 over the weekend. Colourward's side had been looking to win three games on the bounce, but conceded a second-half penalty to give Everton all three points at the Bescott Stadium. They went a goal behind when Sarah Holmes, Holmesgaard's strike bounced off Anna Patton and into goal. They reacted well, though. Rachel Daly equalised seconds later, drilling home Kirsty Hansen's cross at the back post, but a foul by Hansen in the 74th minute gave Everton the penalty, which Natalie Bjorn calmly slotted home, giving Everton just their second win of the season. Um, and they've been struggling, Everton, as well. But uh, Villa's momentum has come to a halt and it was a, a disappointing loss for them. Last week, we were talking about 
how much they would have seen this game against Everton as a winnable one. Yeah, and I think they've been on the best run. I think they showed great character last weekend against West Ham when they went behind and they came back to win the game 3-2. And those are the types of things you think being a bit of a turning point for confidence. But then losing this game to Everton, especially at home, I'm sure will be, you know, Carla Ward, the players will feel that. I think it's interesting because last year they finished fifth and they really, I think, Carla would maximise a lot of their players. Like, But I think individually, obviously they brought in Rachel Daly, Jordan Nobbs, Lucy Stanaforth. This year they're, they're tending to play Rachel Corsi in the midfield, as opposed to, yeah, Jordan Nobbs played against Everton, but hasn't started. Lucy Stanaforth's been on the bench. Alicia Lehman's been on the bench. Rachel Daly hasn't, yes, she scored yesterday, but she hasn't been scoring as many goals as last year. Not her fault, because of service just hasn't really been there. So hasn't really been clicking for Aston Villa this year. And the fact they're sitting in 10th, I'm sure, is a big surprise to everybody. But again, last year, I think they were that that team that surprised everybody, didn't they? No one saw the results they were going to get. And then in the second year of doing that, teams maybe have figured them out a little bit. But if you stop Rachel Daly, realistically, you stop the team. Yeah. Daily Darley, that combination. Um, Everton higher up the table than we saw them at some points last season. But, I mean, they've shown defiant performances. I can't, just can't work them out. I think I say this every single week. I cannot work them out. Yeah, I think the problem with Everton as well, when you look at their team, I mean, they don't really have WSL players that have, that have got a lot of experience or experience within winning teams. You know, you look at teams like Villa, you look at teams like, you know, even Leicester. They've got team players within their teams that have won things. They've got that experience. You look at this, you know, Everton side. They're quite young. They're not really experienced within the WSL. And I agree with you, Faye. It reminds me of a little bit like Brighton. You don't really know. You know, you've got Finnegan at the back. They play in a three sometimes. Or sometimes they play in, in a five or a four. But you just don't really know what they're going to do. No. Um, and I think that's the problem. And again, if you, in this league, if you can recruit, two really good attackers in the 10 and in the nine, then you're going to be okay. Have a solid core of your team, you know, in the six and the four as well and in the centre-back position. But this team in Everton, they don't really have people that are scoring goals either. So there's a common theme here, isn't there, Faye, that the teams that are down there don't really have people that are banging the goals in. And it sounds really basic and simple, but it's not that difficult, is it? You can see goals you're not scoring, you're going to lose. Fight for strikers in January, I reckon. Uh, yeah. the, ta- the table hasn't changed much after that round of fixtures. Chelsea still top on 22 points. Arsenal just behind them on 19. Bristol City bottom on goal difference, but level on four points with West Ham as we go into the final international break of 2023. With the international break on the horizon, Leanne and I discussed the Lionesses' chances of progressing to the Nations League semi-finals. And with Chelsea being the only English club still in the UEFA Women's Champions League, we looked back on their midweek win over Paris FC. And I asked Leanne if this could be the year Chelsea finally go all the way in Europe. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Talk Sports Women's Football Show on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. Former Lionesses striker Leanne Sanderson is with me. Uh, Sam Kerr yet again scoring a brilliant hat-trick to fire Chelsea past Paris FC in the Women's Champions League group game at Stamford Bridge. Having drawn their opener with Real Madrid, Chelsea kick-started their European campaign thanks to Kerr's goals. Uh, Emma, Emma Hayes' side, I think it's fair to say, weren't necessarily at their best uh, despite scoring four uh, Kerr teed up by Lauren James's superb pass in the first half but Paris FC's Thea Grebeval made it one all before the break uh, Chelsea dominated the second half Kerr poking in Joanna Ritting Canard's cross three minutes after the restart completing her hat-trick then with an audacious looping chip from outside the box in the 55th minute while substitute Sophie Ingle added a fourth goal in stoppage time. So the win leaves Chelsea two points behind Group D leaders BK Hacken, who beat Real Madrid 2-1 in Thursday's earlier match. Emma Hayes, confident that they're going to progress. And of course, the Champions League is the one trophy missing from Chelsea and Emma Hayes's cabinet. Prior to the controversial Real Madrid draw a couple of weeks ago, she admitted that winning the UCL would be a fairy tale for her. I'm as focused as uh, I always am. I mean, listen, uh, it would be a fairy tale, of course. But I didn't grow up, really, to be honest with you, um, liking fairy tales too much. My sister did. I'm, very, I'm much more practical than that. But, of course, I would love nothing more than to be uh, in a winning position with this team. 
Uh, Leanne, you were at this game, um, Stamford Bridge, uh, funny old uh, atmosphere, which we'll discuss in, in a second. But first and foremost, what did you make of Chelsea's performance? Yeah, it was interesting, Faye, because the first 20 minutes, Paris FC, I mean, their coach, Subaran, I played against her a number of times for France, but the way she set them up in a 4-2-4, it was unreal. Like, they, I've never seen a team attack Chelsea with four attackers, and they were really coming after it. I think Chelsea really scored against the run of play. Then when Grebeval equalised, I think it was deserved, and Chelsea were giving away the ball. It sounds crazy because they won 4-1 in the end, but I think the major catalyst in this game was at halftime, I said I expected Emma Hayes to make a tactical decision, but she actually took off Jesse Fleming and brought on Frank Kirby. And I think that was the major turning point because then they scored, you know, in the first three minutes. And it was almost like Paris FC, they've got some really good players in that team, it has to be said. I really liked Sissoko, the centre-back. I thought she was exceptional. And I think last week they lost to Hecken, which no one saw coming because this Paris FC team seemed to be the story of the, w, of the um, Champions League this year. Beating Arsenal, beating Wolfsburg, that's not fluke. That's because you're a good team. I think we saw glimpses of that in the first half. And I think in the end, in the second half, Chelsea deserved to win. They took it to another level. They made the substitutions as well. were able to rest players. And I thought um, Johanna Ritten Canarine was fantastic. Exceptional performance. Lauren James is a sis for Sam Kerr. And they missed a couple of chances in the first half. Lauren James missed an absolute sitter. I'm sure our eyes were wide open thinking she'd scored. Sam Kerr as well. And again, you know, the fact that Chelsea weren't at their best and we're still able to beat this Paris FC team 4-1. I take my hat off to them because Emma Hayes touched upon them, and I said it earlier, they were leggy and those types of things. And Kadisha Buchanan coming in there as well, instead of Millie Bright, you could see that the team doesn't look the same without Millie Bright. Mm. I think Kadisha Buchanan, I like her. She's one of the hardest teammates I've ever played against, along with Julie Ertz. But um, a lot of players I've ever played against, sorry. But for Chelsea, hasn't really got going yet. And I think you saw that, you know, she got booked in the first 20 minutes, the goal that was conceded from Anne Katrine Berger, I'm sure, knowing defenders, they don't want to concede. They'll analyse that goal because the goalkeeper should have done better in that one. But again, Chelsea were exceptional first, second half. And this group is wide open. Like, Hecklin are, like, flying in this group. No one saw that one coming. No, they didn't, did they? Um, but there's always one kind of standout team that, that just raises the level, doesn't it? Um, who do you see as being Chelsea's biggest threats to this? Because... It's been a frustrating run in the in the tournament for, for Emma Hayes, I think it's fair to say. Overall, I mean, it's always going to be Barcelona and Lyon. And I think the fact that Wolfsburg, Arsenal, you know, Manchester United are not in it as well. These are big teams that, you know, have big prospects for this tournament. But I think with Emma Hayes, you know, she even loved because she was our assistant coach when we won it in 2007 and no one really ever seems to give her any I re I remember no, that. He, she, she was assistant to Vic Akers. And, yeah. And, you know, I, but for her as a manager, she's not had her hands on the Champions League. No, no, she hasn't. And I think the timing of this, I get the feeling that it's almost like they're not going to become a bad team because they haven't won it. But I do think it would be fitting for Emma Hayes to go out in this way. But I just think it's not an easy competition to win. Like I said, I've won it once and I remember it dearly. You know, players like Wendy Renard have won it eight times, but that's a different level. So I think this year Chelsea will be in and amongst it. But when I when I, I did the Barcelona game last week and they were unreal, honestly, Faye, we know this anyway, but I think it will take a lot to beat Barcelona in this competition. And if you want to win this competition, you're going to have to beat them. 
quick word on the article that was written for The Telegraph by Tom Gary after the game, which stirred up a bit of commotion on social media. The headline, which, by the way, Tom Gary did not write for anybody who was quite angry about it. Um, Sam Kerr, hat-trick, lights up empty Stamford Bridge as Chelsea beat Paris FC in Women's Champions League. I mean, look, I just want to say Tom Gary is a superb journalist and any abuse directed at him is absolutely unacceptable as it is towards any journalist just doing their job. What what were your thoughts on it, Leanne? Yeah, I don't really know why Tom would be getting abuse for that because it was obvious. The crowd was was not good. I mean, I even touched upon it live on air with Emma and I know Emma can't really talk about it that much, but I know that for I know not 100%, but as a player and as a coach, you'd want to play at King's Meadow. You'd want to play at your home ground, but realistically... Kings Meadow, Chelsea women have outgrown that stadium. They have. They outgrew grew it about three years ago. But going all the way to Stamford Bridge with not having that fan base, I've seen a few articles written about the fact that, you know, why do Arsenal women have such a strong fan base in comparison to all the other teams? Well, it's because Arsenal were always ahead of the game. We won everything. And the, the men's team invested in a women's team, you know, 20 years ago. David Dean, Vic Akers, Arsene Wenger. So you're talking like a legacy of fans that, knew us all because we won. We were always with the men at their parades in 98, you know, when they won the double. Every time they won the double, we'd be with them. So it's almost like building that visibility, but it was underwhelming. I was quite disappointed in the crowd. And I think that's obvious. I mean, what is the point in playing these games at these big stadiums if you can't, not if you can't sell out, because even against Liverpool, it was still a lot of people, but it wasn't anywhere near sold out. Whereas Mm. Arsenal women, they play at the Emirates, they sell out every game. They're similar to the England women. Is it, is, so, it the, is it the marketing? What's the, what's, what's the problem with it? Or is it just the, 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 the crowd that go? I honestly don't know the answer because I think Chelsea have got better with their marketing, especially since Agreed. I was there. Yeah. But I just don't know the answer. I just don't think, I don't know what it is. Maybe we should ask the Chelsea fans, you know, why they're not going. Yes, in the women's game, there's always excuses. Oh, it's midweek, it was cold, it was raining. But that, that excuse wouldn't be happening. If Chelsea were in the Champions League for the men, it'd be sold out. So I'm not really sure the answer to that, but it has to get better because from a player's perspective, you want to play at the main stadiums, you want to play at the men's stadiums, but you don't want to play in them with, and it looks terrible on television. Mm. It looks terrible because you can't, it looks like nobody's there, but actually this side was actually quite full. I'd say the the end of where the benches are in the dugouts, that was more or less full on the, on the lower tier. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because uh, they play um, Hecken, who are leading their group at the minute on the 14th of December. Uh, That's at home. And then the away leg is just six days later as well. And of course, that's the they're the two games that Emma Hayes' side are going to want to win their two points behind Hecken at the minute. Quick touch on the Lionesses, who are going into a crucial uh, final camp of 2023 uh, with their Nations League hopes hanging in the balance. And that means, of course, Team GB's hopes of getting into the Olympics hanging in the balance as well. Um, Serena Wiegmann's side are going to be facing the Netherlands on Friday night. It's live on TalkSport 2. Leanne Sanderson, you're going to be there alongside our commentator, Joe Shannon. I'm hosting, by the way, from Hamburg, where we'll be bringing you uh, the uh, men's Euros draw ahead of Germany 2024 uh, next year. Um, what does Serena Wiegmann's side need to do? Uh, they're third in the group at the moment. It's, it's win and win comfortably against the Netherlands, isn't it? 
yeah, I'm gutted for you. You're not going to be there. I'm getting my legacy cap on Friday, and I thought you'd oh. be there. <laughs> oh, now listen. Well, I I going to fly back now. Yeah, I am going to fly back. My preference, one hundred percent, would have been to be live at Wembley. However, the um the, the powers that be are yeah. terrified that I won't get to the Euros draw in time, so no, they don't I, want I, me flying flying on the Saturday morning. Otherwise, I would have I'm been. I'm kidding. devastated now. That's that's <laughs> even worse. I'm only kidding. Um, I think obviously. Serena Vigman, this team, you know, they went so long without losing a game. And then their first loss was against Australia, the Matildas, before the World Cup. Now, I think, obviously, coming off the loss to Belgium, but then they beat Belgium and the Netherlands, they lost to the Netherlands. So there's a more... But I think Serena Vigman seems to be trying different things as well. And I still think this team are in a good place. I mean, they're, they're going to be two strong games for different reasons. Always for Serena Beeman going up against her former, you know, a country which she's from is always going to be difficult for her. I'm sure managing that emotion, but and against Scotland, it's always going to be difficult. Whenever we played against Scotland, it was always a, an absolute like they were always way up for it, you know, because they always wanted to beat us. So I think it's going to be a, a good game at Wembley. Obviously sold out, big crowd again, and and obviously this Lionesses team seem to know how to get the job done on big occasions, and that's one thing I think Serena Beeman has definitely brought to this team that. The players are not phased by anything anymore. They seem to always step up. Even at the World Cup, I don't even think we played the best. And we still got to the final. Mm -hmm. um, so that shows you that it's ingrained in them, the winning mentality now. And I think a lot of countries fear us. Yep, they do. And uh, Scotland wraps up the Nations League as well up at Hampden Park. And we'll bring you live commentary of that match as well. Finally on the show, we chatted maternity leave with West Ham captain Dagny brinners dottier and we discussed how attitudes towards pregnancy and women's football have changed over time. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show on Talk Sport 2. If you missed this episode live or duck in halfway through, do not worry, we're also available on podcast. Plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app to find us. Uh, now, last week, TalkSport headed over to the London Stadium to West Ham's Women's Football Summit and sat down with manager Rianne Skinner and players Emma Snell and Dagny brinners dottier We'll hear from Rianne and Emma in next week's show, but this week we thought we'd take it as an opportunity to speak about West Ham's captain and her journey as a pregnant professional footballer because she announced in August that she was going to be missing most of the 2023-2024 season as she prepared to give birth to her second child when speaking to her producer Uma asked her how she was getting on I'm not gonna lie I'm not great at being pregnant um, I don't know it's just I think hard as an athlete um, when you used to like I don't know being fit control your body then all of a sudden you don't um, I'm still pregnancy sick even though I'm in the third trimester so um, yeah still throwing up most days so it, it's a bit struggle but I know it's just temporarily and I will get a great reward in the end so it's all going to be worth it and what has the process been like for you obviously Tony Duggan was the first WSL player to receive maternity payment last season so what's it been like to be supported by the club how important is that I think it's very important um, obviously when you're pregnant um, as a football player like you you have a different role on the team and and Obviously, just like the hormones, everything, there's a lot of feelings, emotions going around. And, and I think, it, yeah, it's just very important that the club supports you and, I don't know, supports you in every way. Just like, I mean, obviously, like, I try to come in every day, and but still, like, there's days where I'm too sick to come in and, and they're okay with it. I mean, they support my training sessions, um, I get treatment, uh, everything. And, and 
just like feeling the support um, through the pregnancy and and that and knowing that they're going to be there for you um, after giving birth I think that's a big thing and I'm sure you're still obviously following West Ham season really closely are you in regular communication with the rest of the team after their games catching up with them um, yeah the women's team yes yeah of course yeah yeah I, I'm in training with them um, almost every day when they're in and and I don't go to the away games now, but I go to every home game. Uh, I've only missed one this season because I was too sick to go, so I had to watch it on TV. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I see them every day. Um, and yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm their biggest fan this season. So she's training with them, which is quite impressive. Listen, my little boy is, is two years old. I've spoken about Ted on this pod before, and I've spoken about um, maternity leave in women's football on this pod on many occasions because I did um, a subject on it um, for, for my MBA as well because, you know, the provision in the past for female players when they fell pregnant was absolutely appalling, and so many players didn't want to become pregnant until they stopped their playing careers. Um, I mean... Leanne, obviously, it's been a while now since you retired. Sorry to bring up your your age, and uh, <laughs> but it's been same... like three or four years. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel so much longer. Um, but you know, in your kind of playing days, even in that three or four years, how you know the, the the speed of the growth of the women's game has been quite incredible. And this is just one of the things that that has needed to improve and actually has done. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously, like. Depending on where you go, Faye, like when I played in America, America, Dagny actually played for the Portland Thorns. And I remember her little boy used to be when we played against them, you know, they're pretty open in America about bringing, they've had nannies, you know, on the US Women's National Team for years. And I remember when we used to play against America and they'd have the nannies with the kids and the kids would be with them on the team bus. And I remember when I was with Katie Chapman on my team and her kids weren't able to come. And I thought that was harsh. You know, and I think it was hard. You know, we'd be in China for like six, seven weeks at a World Cup and you kind of have minimal contact with your family. Now, I struggled not seeing my mum and dad, let alone not being able to see your kids for that period of time. And I know they're the sacrifices you make, but I think it's great when, when I like, I loved having the kids around. You know, Jess McDonald, now my own teammate, she actually just gave, gave birth to another baby. So congratulations to her. But I think it depends on which country you're in. There is more. So from what I gather now in England, you know, you get paid, is it the first 14 weeks? Mm. Which is still not enough, say, is it? No. Like, no. you know, you're not back after. Now, I feel like people are coming back much quicker because these women are like superwomen, aren't they? I mean, look at Crystal Dunn and those types of players. Ali Long gave birth to twins and came back, you know, within a couple of months. But I think it should be like a, like a normal job. You know, you should get paid the maternity, paternity when for as long as you're out. You know, in a normal job, it's about a year. So that needs to get better. And I think you hear a lot of stories. We saw one with Sarah Bjork, um, Gunners Dottie, she came out and spoke about the lack of support she had at Leon. Mm. So I think it's an Emma, Emma um, McCarthy. McCandy. Was, McCandy. Yes, no, I call her Emma Mitchell. She had the same issues, didn't she? And I think you have to really speak to the people that um, are having the babies. Because I loved having the kids around. You know, I thought it was great to have that familiarity. The kids always brought a little bit of joy, made things a lot less serious when you're at a World Cup or a European Championship. But I think whatever could be put in place, it's got better. But I think it still needs to be better. You can't be only getting paid for the first three and a half months after giving birth. 
Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? You know, that the UK government's national policy entitles women to up to 52 weeks of statutory maternity leave. By the way, statutory maternity leave is terrible uh, because I'm freelance and I was only really off for three months with my little boy because if I didn't work, I didn't get paid and the statutory maternity leave just didn't cover um, enough for us to be able to get through it. So, you know, when, when you think about what the players give in terms of their health and everything else, you know, it's really important. Chelsea were brilliant with um, Melanie Leupoldt and, and brought, brought in specialists to help her recover um, for, from her maternity. So, you know, there is work being done, but there's a there's a big financial gap, actually, between the, the big WSL clubs being able to cover maternity leave compared to the smaller ones. And then, of course, everything is different down in, in the championship, which isn't right. And, you know, some... As you'd say, there does need to be continued um, change. Yeah, there does. And I think, obviously, the league below is a whole other different entirety in itself because they need more support in many other ways, not just when they have, you know, children. And I think it's definitely got better. But I think the players that have had children, I think it's best to speak to them like Tony Duggan. People need to speak and actually want to make change, you know, because having a baby is a really big deal. But like you touched upon, Faye, you shouldn't have to be rushed back rushed back to work because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to get paid. You have to support that family that you just, just given birth to a baby. You need to support the family. Mm. So I definitely think it's got better. But I think from a playing perspective, just being able to have the kids, you know, on the team bus and those types of things, I never saw them as a distraction. I know some coaches were not really for it, whereas we loved having the kids. And I think if my teammates happy having their children, I'm happy. Because you want it, your teammates to play the best they can. It certainly feels as if, not not just within women's football, but just in society in general, it seems much more accepted. You know, I speak as a sports broadcaster where, you know, a lot of people were very worried about having kids because it pretty much, and, and in other industries as well, by the way, because it pretty much spelled the end of your career in the past, which it it, it doesn't necessarily now. But, you know, things are are changing, at least. Interesting uh, comments, anyway, from Dagny Brinners-Dottier. And you can read more on this story if you would like. You just need to head over to the TalkSport.com website. Um, Leanne, I'm gutted I'm not going to be there for your legacy cap um, on Friday. Please soak in that atmosphere and enjoy all the plaudits that you get. I will, thank you. And I'll be straight on air with Joe Shannon as well. I know. So that'll be great. That'll be awesome. I can't wait to be there at Wembley with my... Uh, my girlfriend and, and some friends. So that'll be great. That will be fantastic. I can't wait to see it and uh, send me a selfie of the of you <laughs> with your with your legacy cap. Uh, you can hear live commentary of that crucial Lionesses against the Netherlands game live on TalkSport on Friday night on TalkSport 2, should I say. Hang on a minute. Live on TalkSport 2 on Friday night. Uh, right, thank you to Leanne Sanderson, to producers Maya, Uma and Jack, to Dagny Brinners-Dottier as well for her honesty and, of course, all of you as ever for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget on Friday night on TalkSport 2, Leanne Sanderson and Joe Shannon will be live from Wembley Stadium as the Lionesses take on the Netherlands in that crucial Nations League match. And we'll be back next Monday to go through all the international results and look ahead to that huge clash against Scotland on Tuesday. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 